hello and thanks for joining us. It's another episode of Straight Talk from the Sober Chicks at Insight Counseling. I am Sarah Allen Benton. I'm a therapist here at Insight Counseling and I am here with the owner and religious leader. <laughs> <laughs> Liz Driscoll Jorgensen. Hello fans. And we have a very interesting and fun topic to discuss with you today. We really want your feedback on this. Sarah and I, in our many travels, um, have witnessed a movement in the United States, and I'm sure you've all encountered this, and at a recent trip to Boston, it finally occurred to us. It's not just a social movement, it's a religion, and we are calling it Weed, Weed Fundamentalism! Ba-ba-ba-boom. <laughs> and here's the issue, people. Here's my problem, and here's a rant. Why are we not using any critical thinking whatsoever when it comes to kumbaya, kumbaya for weed? And why do we make fun of, why do certain people lean, who lean left make fun of the people who lean right when they ignore science? But we're ignoring the science, people. So what are the signs that you may be involved in the cult of weed fundamentalism? I don't know, Sarah, can you riff on that? I can. In fact, I've been a victim. I have been hijacked in therapy sessions, <laughs> trying to be converted to the other side. The other side. I find what's the most interesting of the whole thing is how passionate clients can be in convincing therapists <laughs> about the value, the benefits, and how benign pot is. Um, they claim they're not addicted. They claim it's a choice. and. I think that I always put it back to them that I feel that they sound obsessed and they sound addicted because they won't stop talking about it, researching it, thinking about it, and doing it. So, well, my other issue is here. Here's the really funny part for me. I'm sorry, this sounds mean because if there's some weed fundamentalists that read that hear this, the issue that I have with you all is you're reading selected material. Mm. Please read all of the facts, and then we can have a nice little happy debate. In fact, Sarah knows this, but I speak at high schools, and I actually encounter sometimes auditoriums where there's seven or eight weed fundamentalists going at me, you know, bing, 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 trying to make fun of my data, and I've, I've challenged some brilliant kids to one-on-one -on -one debates, and I actually give them the esculpatory information of all the science-based websites to prepare in advance. Guess how many weed fundamentalists have actually First, they all say, oh, yeah, I'll debate you publicly because I'll put you down, blah, blah. And guess how many actually follow through, Sarah Benton? None. None, because they say, oh, I'm busy, I have exams. But actually, they or read the data. they but, forgot. Or they forgot. They even said it. But the, here's the point. My point is, these are the best top 10 or 15. We won't be able to take count. But... Belief tenants of the weed fundamentalists that I spoke to. A number one, the government doesn't want you to know that weed cures cancer. Did you know that weed cures cancer? It has a better shot at curing cancer than it does anxiety disorder. Well, it also cures anxiety <laughs> disorder, except you have to smoke it all day long, several times a day. It's true. To keep the new panic attacks recently, at bay that are being caused by the weed. Correct. Because recently I had a client tell me that when they smoke all the time, they don't have panic attacks, but if they only smoke occasionally, <laughs> they start to have panic attacks. To, again, I like people to have their own experience, but there's some data that's, that there's data there, right? Actually, um, there's more than data, and this is not funny. This part's not funny. Longitudinal study published in The Lancet, 
reported on all over the literature, out of New Zealand, 38 years, people. They studied people from age 2 to age 40. This part's not funny. Seriously, I'm not even going to laugh at this. If you smoke weed, even occasionally, and by our young people's weed fundamentalist standards, the study is barely smoking weed, the subject. So they, they smoked a couple of times a month for a period of time. If you smoke during the years that your brain is, is, is highly developing, which is like on average 14 to like 20, you reduce your lifetime IQ by 8 to 10 points. Boom. That's it. It's a fact. Huh. And if you wait till your your brain is fully developed, like early 20s, which I'm not saying it's safe to smoke at that age. This is just this one very well-designed longitudinal study. It looks like if you wait till your brain's fully developed, you, first of all, you don't smoke as much. You don't smoke as frequently. and But even if you do smoke, you do not damage your brain. And this is what I just want the weed fundamentalists, because and all joking aside, a lot of our patients are kids that are doing this uncontrolled experiment on their brain without the data, Sarah. This is what's killing me. By the way, if we do reference articles, we are going to try to post those in, we will. in a blog that will be connected with this. accompanying the, the podcast. But, <clears throat> but the other argument we get is that you know, pot is good for us, that it's natural. Um, Dude, it's a plant. It's like it's, a gift from God. And uh, that, because it's a plant, it's safe. And then guess what I say, because I'm such a brat, Sarah. I go, dude, really? So because weed is a plant, and then it's safe, and then and I, the weed fundamentalists think they're converting me. Yes. They think they got me. Almost and I there. Go, I go, okay, so how about you and I right after the session? Why don't we roll a spit with some poison ivy, dude? Smoke it up. I actually would add some arsenic. Which is actually a mineral and a plant. Poison sumac also goes. And then they go, oh, dude, you're manipulating what I'm saying. I go, but dude, I'm just Socratic method. Weed is a plant. All plants are safe, therefore weed is safe. Well, the problem is not all plants are, are safe. safe. This is just what I'm saying to you. I'm just trying to keep it real. And the part that they're not seeing, first of all, now that it's now that it's legal in certain places, the pot that was being smoked, <clears throat> I don't know, in our back generation, in back the in the day. day, was a weaker THC count. It's now you know becoming I, more pure. That's right. You know how I say that to parents? I was speaking to a group of lovely parents last night, and I, you know, all about... I'd say 40-ish to 50, and I was saying, let me just say something. The weed that you parents may or may not have inhaled in 1981 is not the weed. It's a completely different animal. Our weed was 3 to 4% THC content. DEA says that random samples of weed, the Drug Enforcement Agency, randomly um, confiscates weed around the United States, and they send it to labs to see, like, what's the average THC content? The dirtiest cheap weed is 12%, and the average weed is 22% THC. Hello. But you may ask, well, what's wrong with that? Because maybe that's a good thing in the sense of it's more pure. People can look at things as like, oh, wow, now that it's legalized, it's pure, right? There's not a lot of other stuff in there. But the issue is, from a psychological perspective, and there is, again, there's there was some research I know done out of McLean Hospital um, around how pot usage can lead to first psychotic episodes for people with and without um, a predisposition. But that's actually one of the biggest issues we see in our practice is clients that are having to leave college um, and having first um, psychotic episodes or delusional uh, episodes in which they're 
you know, it's it was induced by pot because of the strength. So the THC count actually is a big deal, and it's not better that it's more pure. It's actually uh, becoming almost a different drug in a well, sense. Well, I would argue. I've even had, I've had clients here who actually do eventually admit that they're addicted to weed, who will say, "Oh yeah." The, the strength of the weed that I was smoking, or especially if they smoke dabs, yeah. which for our listeners is purified THC mixed with Wax? the byproducts of butane, which is disgusting. Maybe to an oil natural. form, or it's awful, but it's natural. about eighty to ninety percent THC. And so, so that so like a cup of coffee is to crack what dirt weed three percent THC weed is to dabs. Yeah. It's to dabs. It's like it's so bad. I'm not even kidding you. It's so terrible. And we've had even our patients say, our clients "Oh comment. yeah, this it's really bad stuff." Like, okay, yeah. I kept smoking it because I was addicted to it, but I knew it was making me psychotic. And and Dawn, which is the reporting service for um, emergency rooms around the United States, and also in the UK, Scotland, and England, we they are saying twenty five percent of first-time psychotic breaks that are going into emergency rooms. And this is often when people either bring themselves to the emergency room because they're freaking out, or they're acting so psychotic in public that the police are called, etc., and they're brought into the emergency room. So so it's a pretty good bet that for every case of first-time psychosis that hits an emergency room, there's a whole lot of other psychosis going on that doesn't actually go right. to the emergency room. But hold Kind of like DUIs, right? Well, exactly. You're just, you're for everyone the caught, there's millions right. that don't get caught. But in any event, so so these are very good studies. Emergency rooms have no political agenda. They just report what's going on. They, they were the first to report the opiate crisis in terms of overdoses. And what they're saying clearly, this is the UK, Western Europe, and, and the United States. One in four first breaks of psychosis that are serious enough for hospitalization are because of the high potency weed that and, that is what made the I, person have the break How and long? i think 60 percent and 60 percent it doesn't completely resolve I, yes I that's, feel like a, that's that was the, the other saddest part. part of that data so we've had that here in our young adult program that's college age students so many bright i would say actually brilliant young adults that seaweed is this benign substance. And this is where all the joking is aside. I mean, we want you to pay attention to the weed fundamentalists, to think critically, people. And we want parents to have some good information to share with their kids to actually make an argument against it. Mm. it if it causes this much psychiatric illness. And, by the way, weed is classified as a hallucinogen, not by accident. It distorts our perception of time. And even mild weed gives us a, a delay in response time from one to three seconds. It's a stimulant, well, that, a hallucinogen, and a depressant. And my and my other, you know, the other piece that I feel comes up a lot is just almost that life in and of itself isn't entertaining enough for people. Like this, this we live in this culture where it's like never enough. And I feel like this happens with, with the smoking. It's like, I can't do anything without it because everything would be better with it. And so when people don't smoke, what can happen is that the world just looks a little bit more gray to them. And that um, and that actually is a form of dependence in a sense that that these are young minds, right? And, and they're being, in, in a way, having to smoke all the time and saying I could stop at any time without meaning to, you're, you are still skewing your perspective of things. And when people stop... The fact is they tend to go back if they are more dependent on it because there was some enhancement to to life. So there is the developing brain piece that I think we've talked about before, but before the age of 
21. I mean, just the way the judgment and, and I think the, the fundamentalists in the, the way in which that we're trying, they're trying to convince us is to me a symptom of the problem. Absolutely. The obsession around it and the obsession to convert everybody around you, including converting parents. Like Mm -hmm. this is the other is kids trying to convert their parents into agreeing with them. And, um, again, it's, it's a symptom of the issue that they're so preoccupied about even the research around it. And you know what? We're going to have a second episode, maybe even more specifically for parents and caregivers and teachers about things that you can say to get teenagers to think. Because most of the teenagers that I talk to, they get upset when I start throwing the data at them. And they actually want to believe that I'm making it up. And I treat them with real respect. I mean, every once in a while I have to make fun of some of their arguments like weed is a plant and a gift from God. Like, I, I just can't resist. It's just too much. But I, I find they actually genuinely get a little upset if they spend 15 or 20 minutes trying to actually read the research. So, I, and I don't want to make fun of people. I want people to be educated. And I actually say to the young people, you know what? You think you're exercising your free will by jumping on the weed fundamentalist bandwagon. But if you don't have all the data, you're jumping on a bandwagon that you actually don't really understand. And I want to get to one point, but we're going to follow this up in episode two about weed. Most of the patients that I've ever treated this is my 28th year as a therapist who get addicted to weed don't realize that they have tricked their brain's natural dopaminergic reward mm-hmm. system. Mm-hmm. And then when they first quit, yep. they don't feel as much pleasure. Actually, yes. physiologically in their brain, yep. they basically made their brain's homeostasis lazy about making enough dopamine and other chemicals which allow them to feel pleasure. There's a natural process and for young people thank goodness it only takes about 30 days for that to heal and all of a sudden everything's pleasurable again and they're having fun just playing frisbee and like eating is fine without weed but most young people don't understand the science of it so say they actually want to quit because they get in trouble at school or something else like that and then a week into quitting all of a sudden food isn't really as delicious and music isn't as fun etc well without the science to understand that this is a normal part of your brain healing what do you think they decide to do sarah batten Smoke again. Smoke the gun. So then they just stay stuck. So we need them to understand the science. And then, I love it in the groups here, kids will convert other kids. They're like, oh, yeah, I thought this was all BS, whatever. But seriously, after about three weeks, oh, first of all, I used to lose my cell phone like 10 times a day. Now I never lose my cell phone. That's good. And now I have like, I'm, I'm all cool again. Like I feel happy. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Food is good. Music. But they're not going to know that until they know somebody else who was addicted to it, who quit. Does that make sense? Makes perfect sense to me. And we wouldn't make such a big issue of this, except... It's rampant. It's rampant, and the culture is just embracing weed as if it's, like, seriously, like, penicillin. Like, ooh, this wonderful new development that weed is legal, and weed is... It's not legal. By the way, it's not legal in Connecticut. Thank you. Decriminalize. But the issue of it being... I think this is the issue of it being legal anywhere, it gives more validation to the fundamentalist beliefs because they're saying, see, it's legal in some places, even though it's not legal here, in their mind. It hasn't helped. I think that it's actually contributed to the belief that it's benign. Of course, although, you know what, I and I have to give intellectual credit, even to most teenagers, I'll just say to them, well... Do you think tobacco is harmless? Oh no, tobacco's so bad. It's like causes cancer and it causes emphysema. Because they, we've done a really good public health model educating about tobacco. And then I say, oh, tobacco has never been illegal in the United States. 
tobacco is taxed by every state in the union and the federal government, and there's excise tax, etc. They also speak negatively about alcohol. Right, that's what I'm saying. So if you use that, so again, back to like actually just using critical thinking, like, okay, alcohol causes men's problems. I mean, it's, it can be benign in people who are not addicted to it. I would argue tobacco is never benign. It it causes health problems, right? So, so alcohol is a little it does. bit different. Right, it's, that's all that it does. That's correct. So thanks for staying on to the end of this fun and hopefully educational rant on weed fundamentalism. We are calling this part one of a series because of course we have so much more to say. Always take your health and recovery seriously. But don't take yourselves too seriously. Thank you.